Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. I want you to take a quick second and imagine what our nation would look like if we boldly invested in our neighborhoods and cities and showed young people, particularly black men and boys, real opportunities to build upon their God-given assets and live their best lives possible. That's the work that the Campaign for Black Male Achievement and my dear friend Sean Dove, CEO of CBME, has been working on over the past decade. They've joined and supported thousands of leaders on the ground to elevate and accelerate this very vision and mission. Visit tbpod.com slash partners today to learn more about CBMA and consider joining their membership and or donating to help them scale the impact of this growing field of black male achievement. You're listening to the trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. I'm your host, Stephen A. Hart. For the month of September, we are celebrating Black Male Achievement in partnership with our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. And so we are featuring five amazing trailblazers throughout the course of this month who are doing amazing work in the philanthropic area and so many gems of wisdom for us all, really, no matter if you're in the nonprofit sector or not, there is wisdom and gems and just so much goodness baked into these episodes. So I want to make sure you're tuned in to the series. Our guest for today is the amazing Mr. Jim Shelton. Better than me introducing Jim, I wanted to have a dear friend of mine and the CEO of CBMA, Mr. Sean Dove, to introduce Jim Shelton to you guys. Sean, tell us a little bit more about Jim Shelton. Wow, Jim Shelton, where do I start? First, he is a brother that's in my network as a leader, a partner, a confidant and mentor, also on the board of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. First met him when he was at the Gates Foundation, but really began to develop a relationship with him and realize just how phenomenal a brother he is. During his tenure in the Obama Foundation, when he served as the Deputy Secretary of Education and was one of the leading architects in the Obama administration of the My Brother's Keeper initiative. Brilliant. Every time I'm in a conversation with Jim, I leave stretched and having to reach higher, committed about impact, committed about change on a high level, high scale. And when you think about Trailblazer, I think about Jim Shelton. So really excited to hear the story and the insights that he has for your listeners today. Thank you so much, Sean. So before we dive into our conversation with Jim, I just wanted to give a special big ups to Kev Rock over on Apple Podcasts, who left us a five-star rating and a review titled Life Changing. Kev's review actually read, brah, brah. <laughs> big up, sir, Stephen. I started listening last year. My friend Eldon Lewis turned me on to it, and it has been life-changing to say the least. Please give us more of these guests that bring the fire and empower the common man. This podcast has made me change my Jamaican approach to the way I speak to my children. 
about money and their mindset about how to tackle life's challenges. Love the show, boss. Bless up. Thank you so much. Thanks a million to Kev Rock for leaving us that heartfelt review. I always say whether this is your first time listening or in this case, if it's your 188th time listening, if you listen to the podcast to trailblazers.fm on Apple Podcasts and you've not yet left us a review, please do us a solid, right? Hop into your Apple Podcast app on your iPhone, search trailblazers.fm like you're looking up the podcast for the very first time. When you do that, I want you to click on the podcast cover that shows at the very top. Scroll down to where you see the ratings and review. An app typically is going to show you the latest review. And right below that review, you're going to see a link titled Write a Review. Click on that link and share your thoughts, what you've learned by way of the show. I'm praying and I'm hoping that you're going to leave us a five-star review and rating. But that's strictly up to you to leave what you feel is worthy and honest. Either way, it's going to help us to rise in Apple Database when you do that and hopefully help other folks find us. And so I just also want to give a special big ups to our Blazing Nation listener, Eldon Lewis, who was the person who shared this podcast with Kev Rock. So I appreciate you both. That said, let's go ahead and grab a pad and a pen or open your favorite note-taking app. And let's get set to receive today's mission fuel from our featured trailblazer for today, Mr. Jim Shelton. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's a blessing and an honor to share this conversation with you. It's been about a year now, I think, since we talked about having you come on the show and wanted to start off where we do most of our conversations, which is from a place of gratitude. So I'd love to ask what you're most grateful for in your life right now. I'm most grateful for my family being back in D.C., my son starting off this school year right, and my wife feeling happy about it all. (laughs) <laughs> I hear that. My kids actually, I think school started last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting going this week and it's been a good feeling kind of getting the kids back in. So I can appreciate the happy wife, happy life. Did you grow up in DC? I did. Born and raised. Born and raised. Wow. Tell me about your memories growing up in DC. Any fond memories thinking back? Oh, many, many fond memories. You know, I grew up in Southeast DC and it, It was a rapidly changing community. I learned many of the most important lessons I've learned in my life about friendship and leadership on the streets of D.C., both living in Southeast and then having to travel to Northeast and Northwest to go to school throughout different parts of my life. You learn to navigate different communities and different sets of relationships, both good and bad. So D.C. just holds many, many, many memories for me. Even the ones that were hard were valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, and growing up in Southeast, I mean, as I was preparing for this call, I'm looking at all your accomplishments, man. And we'll get into some of this in a second, but do you find yourself looking back and kind of reflecting on growing up in Southeast and then going on through Morehouse and Stanford and your experiences working with a White House and just all that you have, right? Like, how do you reflect back and look at these other amazing blessings that have flowed in and through your career? It actually just fuels me to do what I do because I realize that, you know, I say all the time, like, I am not a special man. I'm just an ordinary man who had extraordinary opportunities. Mm. Many of my friends who I grew up with were smarter than me, more talented than me in a whole range of different ways. But because of my parents and 
a lot of serendipity along the way. I had opportunities that many others never had. And because of that, my life has turned out completely different. It makes me just want to create pathways for many more people. You know, Jim, I was looking at it and there are many educators, right, who look at probably wish for the peak of their career to be working for Bill Gates and actually began your career working for the Gates Foundation and helping oversee, what, two or three billion dollars, right? How did that opportunity come about? What did you actually learn in your time working with the Gates Foundation? Yeah, so my career actually began way before that. You know, I had a strange background. I first was a computer guy, and then I went to right. business consulting and then started a company. And it was when I started the company that I met the guy who was running the overall education program at the Gates Foundation. And shortly after I sold my company, he reached out because he was trying to figure out how to expand high-performing schools. And little to my knowledge, you know, he didn't, he reached out to me, but he reached out to like 20 people before me. <laughs> and I was the one who was interested in the opportunity because uh, I thought that it was a way to really take what I had learned from trying to open high quality schools and communities that needed them and put it to a new level of scale. I also thought that with that kind of resource, that the opportunity to think more broadly than the strategy he had at the time was there, that I wanted to be a part of helping to shape that. And so that's how I wound up going there. It was actually kind of funny because I, thought that I would not wind up going there. I went to uh, get an investment, really, and wound up having a conversation with the CEO of the foundation after the guy who ran the education program said they wouldn't make the investment. And she said, you know, if we had someone to run this kind of work, we would consider doing it. That's kind of how I wound up going there. Oh, that's quite interesting. So since then, you had other really notable stops along your career journey, right? Worked with the Obama administration as the Deputy Secretary of Education. And then I read also most recently you're at Facebook's Ken Zuckerberg's initiative, heading their education group. I'm interested in your unique set of experiences, right? And your knowledge and your wisdom, having worked in government and also for these different philanthropies. Love to hear your thoughts on what can and should maybe be doing in education right now, and especially what can be done for, we're talking in the series about black male achievement. I'd love to hear what are your thoughts on what can be done for young black boys and even girls are called off to get the best education. I mean, I think that uh, one way to think about this is that all young people in some ways need the same kinds of things just in different, to adapt it to their different contexts, what they have in terms of their support at home, what they have in their communities and any special needs that they bring to the table. And so what I mean by that is that if you start at birth, you know, everybody is born with basically the same potential to excel. Mm -hmm. And what happens after that is that our experiences, our relationships, and our environment shape how much of our potential is actually realized. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is in every young person's life, stack the kinds of experiences and relationships and put them in environments that are going to help them to thrive. And We don't know exactly what that looks like for each student yet, but what we do know is that you need to start early, you need to have them be frequent and often, and they need to be tailored to the specific needs of that young person. So we need to get in the business of designing pathways for young people that look like that from the time that they're born till they become thriving adults, and frankly now, even more than ever, into throughout the rest of their lives. We need to make sure that when young children are born, that we, as early as possible, diagnose whether they've got any kind of learning delays or disabilities 
can start early trying to treat those things. You gotta help parents understand how they interact with their young children so they know how to get them ready for excelling at school and life. We've got to have the kind of training and resources for our young teachers so they know how young people actually develop and learn. So that the kind of experiences they create in classrooms actually meet the needs of the kids that they have in front of them. Those are the kinds of things that we need to be doing, but we need to be doing them at scale. We have many, many small examples of outstanding environments for young people. We just don't put enough of them to make sure that every child gets what they need. Last thing I'll say is that we talk a lot about learning and development education as if it's all inside the school. And the reality is that the vast majority of what determines a young person's success starts before they get to school in a day. Are their basic mental and physical health needs met? Are they social and emotionally stable? Are they developed enough to form healthy relationships? Do they have a sense of identity, an integrated identity that, you know, who they are, who they belong to, where they fit in their family, where they fit in their community? All of those things are shaped by many, many factors outside of school, but they have a huge impact on the academic and the cognitive development that a child has in school. Mm-hmm. Schools need to attend to those things, but they can't do all of those things. And so we have to figure out how we build the kind of supports around young people to make sure that we've attended to those so they can be most successful in school. Jim, as you're talking about that, you know, this series that we're doing right now is focused on the campaign for Black Meal Achievement, right? And I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts around Black Meal Achievement. I've been asking several of our guests, you know, what does yeah. Black Meal Achievement mean to you? And kind of how does what you just said just now, you know, tie into the importance of Black Meal Achievement? For me, Black Male Achievement means that, as I talked about, all young children have the ability, have the potential to achieve at high levels. Our Black young men included, and yet the lowest expectations for any population in the communities at large is what people expect to happen for Black males. The reason for that is that we've created these environments that expect little provide little, and therefore the results match, and we seem surprised. When you look at the major factors that impede progress, whether it's exposure to violence or exposure to the criminal justice system, these things get in the way of many of our best and brightest young men actually achieving the way that I talked about across the spectrum from the earliest of age to their adulthood. And just as importantly, even our kids who are not impeded by those systems, we oftentimes Forget our conversations about black males talking about their deficits and not their assets. And so our young men who are high performing oftentimes are ignored because without us creating the kinds of opportunities that let them continue to excel. Just like I said, for all children, but again, the specific to black males is how do we create the kind of relationships and experiences and environments that allow them to really express their full potential? Yeah. How do we actually stop these injustices from stealing their potential, whether it be by falsely imprisoning them or exposing them to the violence that we talked about, or just not expecting enough from them when they're in the classroom. And then how do we surround them as a community with the kind of relationships that recognizing that these kind of barriers are not going to disappear overnight, that we insulate them at least from the impacts of them as much as possible so that they can actually look into the future and see their potential and see that other people believe in them and keep pushing. For our community, almost the entire economic gap in terms of economic mobility can be explained by the gap 
in performance of black males. Wow. And so for our community, our overall success is now in the hands of what happens for black males. When black males start to achieve, even if just equivalent to the achievement levels of black females, the mobility rates for our community will pick up exponentially. That is the opportunity for us, but it is also the risk that we don't. That's a lot to chew on. I wanted to shift gears and talk just quickly about what you're presently involved with, Ray, that you're now an entrepreneur in residence at Blue Meridian Partners. Talk to us a little bit about yeah. Blue Meridian and what exactly does an entrepreneur in residence do? <laughs> well, an entrepreneur in residence is a person who sits in a place and helps them to think about where the next opportunities are. And some of them you may explore internally and some of them you may explore externally. So in the context of Blue Meridian, Blue Meridian was founded about three years ago, but just spun out from the Ed McConnell-Clark Foundation. The Ed McConnell-Clark Foundation decided many, many years ago that they were going to spend down there in Dallas, making big bets on nonprofits that had demonstrated their efficacy and had the capacity to scale, solving real big problems. And what they realized is in the process that they shouldn't be doing that work alone, that if they were going to do that, they ought to get together with other foundations and high net worth individuals to support these organizations. And then as they got good at it, they decided to set up an organization to do just that, which is what they call Blue Meridian. So Blue Meridian is a collection of philanthropists who have collectively over the last three years committed $2 billion and invested it in scaling high potential nonprofits. And a lot of that work has been focused on direct service organizations. And a lot of my work is helping them to think about what are the other tools and strategies and methods of innovation that will let them have broader impact, have more, yeah, I call it impact at a population level scale, and do that in a way that also builds on the prior regional work they did so they can have an impact in more communities, more directly, more places where they can have deeper impact than they have in the past. As you talk about that, you know, what I think you kind of wrote an article speaking about this, but I'd love to have you talk about, you know, what it might take for black organizations to position themselves for big bet investments. Yeah, I think that there are things that black organizations can do, but there's also the kind of things that organizations that are in the position to make big bets need to do as well. So a lot of the big bet, there's two or three different kinds of big bets. One is the kind of Blue Meridian does, right, which is tied to having a long track record and strong evidence of your performance. And, you know, in that context, it's pretty clear what you do is to actually deliver your program or strategy, keep track of the outcomes, have an evaluation partner, get evaluated, demonstrate the evidence, and then put yourself in the running. At the same time, you got to do the things you would always do, which is build a great team and have an operating model that lets it look like you have a chance of sustaining yourself once you get the money. But then there are other opportunities where it's much more high risk, high potential, right? You don't have that low track record. You're going to try something that's very different. And in that context, what really is happening is people are betting on two things. One is the power of the idea. And the other is their confidence in the team to figure out whatever that big problem is. Because, you know, the thing that they say is every business plan is wrong. You just don't know where, when you start. Right. And so what the investor has to believe in is they have to believe that the team, when they find out what's wrong, is going to figure out how to solve it. Mm. Right. The challenge we have is that people believe most of people who look like them to be able to solve problems. It's just a thing. And so the challenge for African-American-led organizations 
is how you get over that hurdle of not being like the other kinds of folks that these investors encounter, mm-hmm. folks that are just like them, to instill the confidence in them that you're someone that should be fed on, that when you encounter a problem, you're going to be able to solve it. And that not only are you going to come up with a creative solution, but you're going to produce the outcomes that you claim to be pursuing in the first place. It's a higher bar. It's not a fair bar, but that's the, the game that we have to play right now. Uh, Jim, as I'm wrapping up, I'd love to maybe pick your brain on any books that you'd recommend to our listeners that they might want to add sure. to their fall reading queue. Sure. So the number one book on my list this year is a book called Biased by Jennifer Eberhardt. Okay. Yeah, she's a social psychologist who blends together her psychology background with neuroscience and history to tell the story of bias and in particular racial bias in the U.S. It is one of the probably the most important books on race I've read, period. Wow. And then Ron Ferguson wrote a book on raising children to succeed. And, you know, Ron is a longtime educator. What he distills from the success of children over time into lessons that are really practical for parents to follow about how to support their kids for the future. Also a really important book this year. Good stuff. I'll definitely check out those too. Last question for you before I let you go. What's one action that our Blazer Nation who's been listening to this conversation, what should they do this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? I think the most important thing that you could do this week is to say, who is that one person who I'm sure you've already thought of before who could help you with whatever your mission is that you have procrastinated calling. You procrastinated because you didn't feel like you knew him well enough. You didn't have your idea well-baked enough. You, whatever, you just didn't get to it. Make the call. Make the call. Love it. Jim Shelton, tell us, I know you're, you're on social media. Tell us how we can kind of connect with you over on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah, on Twitter, and I'm saying everybody, Twitter is at, Jim S-E-D-U at Jim S-E-D-U Good stuff. I'll make sure I'll throw it up, up in the show notes page. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much for sharing in this conversation with me. No, thank you, brother. And thank you for all you're doing to showcase for people who are doing phenomenal work across the country. I'm honored to be among the folks that you decided to talk to. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about Trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag MissionFuel. We'll be able to see you and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at TBPod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode 
you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. <laughs>